0: My name is Susan Craig. I'm from Princeton, New Jersey, originally. Um, uh, birth, birthright Presbyterian. I uh, married and divorced in my middle age, and went to seminary to do what I had always wanted to do. Uh, was ordained, served uh, as a chaplain at Princeton University, and. Uh, Baldwin Wallace College, chaired women's ministries after reimagining, and then uh, was the an out bisexual pastor at USC at the University Church, which was Methodist and Presbyterian. And then we fell in love. Background,
1: I guess. Okay. I'm Bear Ride. I am a native Southern Californian, born in Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital. So I, too, was a cradle Presbyterian, uh, raised in the church, raised to be a good Presbyterian leader in the youth group. Went off to seminary in 75, um, San Francisco Theological Seminary. And um, there I did my internship uh, at the San Rafael Presbyterian Church with Janie Spar and thus I got launched into the movement in about 76 in uh, 77 and went to the 78 assembly with Janie and the youth group. Uh, I too was married at a rather early age, 23 I think, had a couple of kids, great kids, uh, and then divorced in 95 when I figured out my sexual orientation. We both live in Claremont now in Pilgrim Place. We've been together for 19 years, um, and uh,
0: that's our background. How did you guys meet? How did we meet? Why oh, did not you tell us story? I, uh, when I was working for um, women's ministries, I was particularly frustrated because I could only work openly for heterosexual women. Uh, we weren't allowed to use other words like lesbian and bisexual women and, um, and I, as a feminist I just had to be as active as I could be in at least working with sexism but not really able to work with heterosexism. Um, But Bear and I met doing um, justice work and uh, around women's issues at general assemblies. And I decided to begin um, a doctor of ministry program at San Francisco Theological Seminary to work on writing about and educating about bisexuality. Um, And it was while I was there on the campus that I bet met Bear at a meet and greet wine party. Oh. <laughs> you next. Yes. <laughs>
1: um right. We were sure that we met earlier because we've been going to General Assemblies um for years. Um but the first time we actually remember meeting was at the Wichita General Assembly in ninety four. Uh, uh and then we met again, we met f- for sure at at s f t s in ninety five just before the Cincinnati assembly, and we spent about a year being very very good friends, but uh, long distance because Susan of course lived in Louisville, and I uh lived in um in Southern california um i I had been doing ministry since seventy eight as a pastor at local churches, a uh, variety of local churches, and had been involved with the, the uh, women's movement in the Presbyterian Church, so every year the Synod women's group would send me to General Assembly to do um, advocacy work, and so every year I would leave a note uh, on the telephone of whoever was the head of women's ministries and say, you know, I'm being sent by the Synod, and feel free to put me to work. And I had actually done that to Susan, not knowing really who she was personally, uh, and not really expecting a call back because they never called me back, and so I always ended up doing work with uh, More Light, and I had become um, one of the strategists and polity wonks for the for the uh, queer movement in the Presbyterian Church, been very involved since really 78 doing that. So. Imagine my surprise when at SFTS Susan and a friend introduced us. Susan said, "Oh my gosh, I've been meaning to call you back."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then,
1: well, the big—I think the big revelation for me. Well, there were, of course, many big revelations for, for me, but um, we immediately hit it off as as very good friends, and went out to dinner in San Anselmo that night after that uh, SFDS happy hour and I was uh, one of two of the strategists for the upcoming assembly for Morley like Presbyterians and at that point we had sort of a policy that what in terms of language we were just talking gay and lesbian because it was so controversial to use the word bisexual transgender and people just didn't understand what that meant and you know in order to win we had to you know streamline and Thought you had to. Thought yeah. we had to. So over dinner, uh, Susan said, aren't you one of the strategists for uh, More Light? And I said, yes. And she said, help me understand. Uh, I, all of your publications and your strategy work talks about gay and lesbian, but you never say, use the word bisexual or transgender. Um, why is that? And I said, well, you know, that would be a disaster. It would, it would just <laughs> really be a problem because people don't know what that means, and, and we need to win. And Susan leaned over her glass of wine and said to me, "I'm bisexual. Oh, <laughs> now I know that my life has been changed forever. And now that I've actually met one, I can no longer. Uh, I can ha- I can no longer. I can't turn back. So, um, you know, it was starting at that general assembly that the More Light movement started saying."
0: Uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender. Yeah. Um, I was working in Louisville, um, and as I had said, furious that I couldn't represent all women, and knowing that I was bisexual and having to hide that because reimagining had been such a scandal. I finally went to a gay lawyer. Uh, in the building and said um, what could happen to me if I came out and he said you'd be fired (laughs) you'd be let go Uh, not the right qualities to have leadership in the Presbyterian Church and so with that I began looking to get out Um, uh, it was not usual or maybe even possible in the job, the pastoral descriptions that churches sent out for who they were looking for to say anything about gender or sexuality, except for this funky church at the USC campus that was both Methodist and Presbyterian. And there, what they sent out is the description of the pastor that they were looking for was said, um, We don't give a f- essentially. We don't give a fig about the sexual orientation of the person we call. We want to call the right pastor for us. And my image was of um, all queer folk across the country looking for calls, you know, weeping. Finally, somebody has said this. So they called me as an out bisexual woman and what they said was, if this causes some distress in the denominations We'll fight it. Say something um, about the Witherspoon dance, dancing with... Oh, the other (laughs) thing was I danced at the Witherspoon dance. I danced with... um, This is while she was still employed. Employed. As the head of Women's Ministries. Uh, I danced with Janie Spar and had a wonderful time. That was a dance where everybody dances with everybody, but Janie usually wore a tux and it was fun. Um, Afterward, I was called in to my direct supervisor, and he said, I hear that you were dancing with Janie Spar. And I said, yes, she's my friend. And he said, well, you know, they're gonna think you're one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I got so mad, I said, I don't care. She's my friend, I'm not gonna betray my friends. I'm not gonna not dance with them. So. We were both so in Susan, Southern in
1: '96, yeah. yeah, Susan came to Southern California to be the pastor at the church, at United University Church, and I was working um, uh, with Jack Rogers to establish the Southern California program of San Francisco Theological Seminary, and really having the time of my life. Uh, we fell in love, um, and it became clear that, um, you know, that this relationship was meant to be in was was going places mm-hmm. so I went to uh, to Jack uh, who was my direct supervisor and said, you know um, this is happening in my life, and you know I'm really happy and it's really clear to me that I can't be in a closet you know my since both Susan and I had been married you know to men as heterosexuals, we understood what it was, what it meant to be married and we couldn't imagine being in a, any kind of healthy relationship that wasn't completely open, honest, and with integrity. Um, so Jack was, he was wonderful and very warm and supportive and he said, well, don't worry, you know, it'll be okay. Um, I'll, I'll take care of you and it'll be fine and I said, "I." I really don't think it's going to be fine, because this was, you know, this was 96. So I said, I, I really want to go um, and go up to the president of the seminary, who was not a friend. I mean, he was not a, an out, he was the opposite. And, uh, you know, and, and tell him the story, because I didn't want him to hear secondhand. So Jack said, not a great idea, but if you insist, I'm going to go up with you, because you need a witness. So I said, "Okay," and we went up and talked to the president. And uh, you know, I gave him the kind of shorthand version, and he said, "He said well, this is a disaster. It's a disaster for the seminary. It's a disaster for the Southern California program. It's a a disaster for me personally because you know I'm the president of the seminary. It's is just this." What, what if you know what happens when um, you know the the evangelical rich church pastors find out they're not going to consider giving money to the seminary of course they weren't anyway cause, you know it was sfts it's a disaster you used the word disaster about 10 times in the period of 5 minutes and i'm thinking well i knew it wasn't going to go well but i didn't think it would be even <laughs> this bad uh so uh it didn't go well um jack then Was very, continued to be very, very supportive uh, and uh, suggested that I talk to the HR person at the seminary. And he told, he was very, he was delighted. You know, he threw his arms around me and said, I'm so happy for you, which was so much, you know, happy. But he said essentially the same thing that the gay lawyer in Louisville said, and that is, they'll find a reason to fire you. So, um, you know, so that was the end of. uh,
0: that was the end of my ministry in the Presbyterian Church. The last time that she was able to serve, which is a huge cost because the church had been your family. Yep. yep.
1: But Susan was now the pastor of the fabulous United University Church on the USC campus, and I came on board as the director of the Peace Center. And so we served together for, gosh, we retired. seven or eight years anyway. Uh, And I was part-time and I pieced together a livelihood working eventually uh, with my sister, um, Sally Ride, who had started after she retired from being an astronaut and she was a professor at um, University of California at San Diego. She started a company called Sally Ride Science. And I have not a cell of scientific anything in my body uh, but what she needed was sort of an evangelist for, uh, to help girls that are already interested in uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, you know, to kind of get them together. She called them, wouldn't it be great if we had conferences for, for middle school girls across the country? And we'll have role models, and we'll have fun. And I said, you know, Sally, that's a great idea, but let's call them festivals. Let's (laughs) not call them conferences. So uh, over the years, um, that was starting in 2000, 2000, I think. 2001, uh, I was in charge of, I got to choose my own title. So I was the intergalactic field organizer for Sally Ride Science Festivals. (laughs) <laughs> the title is fabulous, the pay wasn't great, but you know, it's all about the title. Cool. And uh, over the, those years, I put together a hundred festivals across the country for girls, that, you know. At universities, yeah, at major universities. Yeah, they were wonderful. a thousand kids would come out. And, and it was a ministry. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same, but it was a lot of fun. And that's, so that's what I did then, to keep body and soul together and
0: raise the kids. We had some travails trying to get married it not being possible uh, anywhere. Um, The first time we bought a house together, the whole idea that we were two single women with different names wanting to sign a mortgage, just took people by surprise. Yeah, they said,
1: what is your relationship? And I said, we're partners. And they said, there's the only so they wrote, we read the paperwork at the end, and it said, Susan Craig and Karen Ride, two single women, blah, 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 and we're kind of <laughs> going, jeez. So that was our first
0: communion. Yeah. Uh, then it became possible in LA to become domestic partners. And we went down. We were there the very first day. This was in 1999. Yeah. And went up thinking, you know, this is, we'll just be signing pieces of paper. and. I think that the people that were dealing with us must have had sensitivity training. Because they called everybody in. And this was East LA. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They called in you know, all the coworkers in and we applied and they were all standing there cheering for us. And we all ended up crying. We were crying <laughs> in the end. Yeah. <laughs> it was very sweet. Yeah.
1: And then shortly thereafter, the state of California, um, we um, launched its domestic partnership program so we said what the heck so we had a mortgage we were domestic partners in the county of Los Angeles and in the state of California and then we said
0: let's have a holy union because that's at least legal but unofficial Uh, we had a really fabulous service a um, big party for a hundred folks and um, at least 40 ministers, because they were going to a big
1: meeting nearby. It was the General Assembly, just before the General Assembly in Long Beach. And we planned it that way because we had a lot of friends who were going to be going to the Assembly. So it was the day before we actually spent our honeymoon yeah. uh, at the General Assembly in Long Beach. And we're, uh, yeah, and then we were arrested in Long Beach. Yeah, but
0: this is... Um, Was Chris there? Janie Spar was at the wedding, and and Chris was at the wedding. And Mike and Sylvia Smith. Yeah, the the saints of the movement. And one stood up in the end and said, Yeah, let's have no uh, disagreement on this. This is a marriage. This is a marriage. And And then
1: that was an act of ecclesiastical disobedience because the previous assembly had said no minister is allowed to equate... uh, a service of Holy Union with marriage. So we had about 40 people
0: <laughs> acting up at our service. It was really wonderful. Yeah. And then we went to Santa Fe to volunteer after I'd retired, uh, waiting to get into Pilgrim Place, which is a retirement community we live in now. And suddenly the state of California decided that we could uh, marry. The Supreme Court. The Supreme Court. Do you want to take a bit of that? Well, sure. We were
1: volunteering at Ghost Ranch in Santa Fe and uh, minding our own business and Susan's daughter, Meg, called and said, you're not, she lives in California, you're not going to believe what happened. You can get married. Uh, You will be able to get married in a couple of months, in a month, I think, in California. So we immediately started planning, let's get married. So we took a little vacation from our volunteer work in Ghost Ranch and drove back home, got our license the first day you could get license. Got interviewed in in the radio. uh, uh, June 18th, I think. And by that time, we were worshiping at All Saints Episcopal Church in Pasadena, which is a fabulous progressive in every way. And the moment the decision was made by the California Supreme Court the rector there, Ed Bacon, said, uh, We will. And the vestry voted yeah, unanimously. We will do weddings. So we contacted Ed and said, Will you marry us? And he said, Absolutely. So we were the first couple married legally um, at All Saints Church yeah. the day, the first day you could get married.
0: All our kids and surviving parents and dog and. Our things.
1: dog was. <laughs> a, but our, our best people were our four adult children. And that was really, and they were just, you know, thrilled and mom was thrilled
0: and. Yeah. Um, So then the window closed. Right, proposition eight. That's it. And all of a sudden, no one else could get married, which left us in a kind of odd space. They said, oh, well, you know, if you were married during that little window, we guess you're still married but nobody else could get married. Yeah.
1: But that's over and there's marriage equality in California. One of the joys of our lives has been as ministers officiating at the weddings of our children. I think we've, we've married all, all four. You married yeah. your two and I married my two. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter got married her partner l- a year and a half ago. Uh, they live in Hood River in just outside of Portland and um, marriage equality hadn't hit Oregon yet, so we had to go over the border to, um, to the great state of Washington, which was a marriage equality state, yeah. to marry them, and uh, of course, that was ecclesiastical disobedience, because that was before uh, uh, marriage equality had hit the Presbyterian church. There was one other thing about our, our actual legal wedding at All Saints. Uh, because we were the first in um, at the relatively well-known church in Pasadena, we were on the front page of the local Pasadena newspaper. And we got a call a week later from the stated clerk. We are members of Pacific Presbytery saying that an accusation had been filed, a complaint had been filed against us in the courts of the church for getting married. And we thought, oh, this is this is this. silly. But the uh, complaint was uh, thrown away, uh, thrown out because it didn't it, there's nowhere in the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church of the Bible that says that you cannot be married. It says you cannot officiate at a wedding. Right. but it didn't say anything about being married, which was just hysterical. It was really great. Yeah. So and here, there we are, nineteen years later. Yeah, the the rest is history. Yeah. I think we. I'm interested to hear you talk about in in the marriage equality issue. Express why marriage for you was so important. Yeah, and I'm after this because there's a lot of you know it's like well what's the difference? We're married, we're living together, or are this? So, and and I'm I'm taken by how the sacred nature of that particular commitment is um, held in the esteem of this community. and, yeah. it's, and it's not, So some people would say, well, it's just because they couldn't do it, now they can So, but, I'm, but that impression no. is not, um,
0: it, it is, it's, it's false, yes. as from, yes. from what I would So yes. I'm interested in your, your spending yeah. just a little bit of time just, just just exegeting the value and the sacredness of it. That. Yeah, that's really well put. And uh, I think that, um, That is the issue. I mean, not only had we been in uh, marriage relationships with men who were very good friends of ours, uh, not only had we experienced the benefits that came from that but we also um, did as ministers, did give it a spiritual or a uh, sacred sense of commitment of um, covenanting that those kinds of words and to be able to do that with a man but not to do it with a woman um, was wrong it, it was wrong we wanted to be married we wanted to have the same committed Relationship, um, and we wanted to have it be uh, rest on the spiritual basis that we chose. Yeah, the difference
1: uh, between a contract and a covenant for us was really significant. We had the contract essentially with our domestic partnership because once marriage eq- equality hit California for that little brief time. Essentially, they said um, it's now going to get, be as difficult to separate from a domestic partnership as it would be getting a divorce. So essentially, you're married, but you're not married. You know. Uh, so the contract was already there. It was the covenant. It was sharing, um, making our love uh, and commitment to each other, our exclusive lifelong commitment to each other public, uh, celebrated uh, before God and all these witnesses, and Mm -hmm. that's what it was, including our kids. Um, Also, there's language involved that, uh, you know, if you use the word, this is my partner, you're not exactly sure what that means. I mean, it could mean any number of things. Business partner. But when we got married, um, Susan inherited, I mean, she became my kid's mother-in-law, in-law, and Mm -hmm. I became the mother-in-law of her kids and grandchildren, my mother became her mother-in-law, there's language, so now when, you know, and people understand that, Yeah. so when, you know, we're out with Susan's kids, they will introduce me to their friends as their, you know, as their mother-in-law, and that's different from saying, my mother's partner or something, because there yeah. is the in-law, which actually means in-law. And that was important to us. There
0: was an a early feminist lesbian argument against marrying, saying, well, heterosexual marriage is such a mess. Look how men treat their wives, blah, blah, blah. Why would we want to duplicate or reduplicate that behavior that image of domination, submission, all of that. Well, we didn't, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that our marriages could serve as examples to some of the heterosexual marriages I've seen. There's
1: also obviously the benefits. I mean, you know, the legal 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 benefits. Um, so there's surviving spouse benefits in the Presbyterian Church now. Too, I think, I think they yeah. yeah. Uh, but in in the state as well. So, you know, social social security and yeah, and, and health insurance. You know, I'm since I was sort of self-employed, uh, I had to pay my own health insurance, which was upwards of nine hundred dollars a month, which was more than what I was earning actually. Mm-hmm. But when we got married, uh, Susan was covered by the denomination still because she was retired, so I became, I'm Susan's dependent now, on my health insurance card. And it's gotten Uh, down to like $700.
0: We are, as we age, beginning to think about our wills and things like that, and realized that when we um, had our will drawn up, that our lawyer, and this this would have been... 97 97 or something we had a, uh, immediately had a will drawn up and that poor lawyer had to stand on her head trying to work out, you know, they, they're not married but they wanna have benefits for their different children and they wanna, and we, I was just so surprised to find it the other day and think, oh nuts, we've gotta do another, another will, but it will be like other people's wills this mm-hmm. time.
1: So um, a message then of celebration to those who would be watching you, what would you say? Well, we're sort of, you know, old folks in the movement now, and uh, uh, we're not as involved in the movement you know, for maybe the last five years or four or five years or so, Um, we were both very very involved in Morline Presbyterians. I was the co-moderator for several years, and Susan was the editor of the Morline Update. And you know, it just came time to move on. It has been fabulous to be here uh, at Stony Point at the Rock Stars and Prophets celebration, and meet the next generation or the generation beyond the next generation. The you know the Alex and the Molly and 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 those folks because it gives me a sense that um, you know we want to we there's such light um, there's such hope there's they're so competent and engaging and full of grace uh, it, it it's not closure because of course we're neither dead nor, you know, nor out of the movement, but it just gives me a great sense of, uh, of hope um, that the movement will continue on with, uh, with joy.
0: And I think that um, the movement has been one which has been exploring the nature of justice in relationship, what love ought to be as we've uh, explored other sexualities and enactments of those and experienced a great deal of pain along the way. So I, I find that, that we are, I, I like to think that we are more attuned to good relationships, justice love as we say. And, um, and that we're an example of there that. There you
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you. You make it easy. Loved your questions.